and welcome back to Cinevino. It's good to have you guys with us. We've got Travis, John Bud. Hey! Hey, one by one, we're adding compatriots. Yeah, we are. And uh, Sean Jordan. Hey! Is here. And my name's Todd. We got a bunch of new listeners now. We do. We got longtime listeners, first time callers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah. No yeah. Taylor this week. No Taylor this week. No. Or next week. Depending yeah. on when, the, when, when is this airing? He is actually doing a hot air balloon ride, and he was part of a convoy. He drifted. Oh, in New Mexico. Yeah. yeah. I was and at that one one year. They don't know where he is now. He's somewhere over Baja. Is that the Freedom Convoy? Yeah. Oh. He, he was in a Freedom Balloon Convoy that got loose. Not not related to the other one that you might know about. This, no. this one's totally different. No. This it, one is actually about combating inflation, which is really ironic. Yes. Yes, it is. Uh, apparently, some people took shots of BB guns at the balloon, did not make a dent in it. They were trying to bring it down. So, not much we can do at this point. Mm-hmm. They're just going to have to float for a while. Yeah. So, wherever they are, look for them. Try to see if you can get them on Google Earth or something. Supposedly, some people have seen them like in Google Images floating somewhere deep. They say if you go out on a full moon, you can see them mm-hmm. just floating on by. Yeah, it's like E.T. You can see like the silhouette going across the yeah. moon. So. Oh, nice. So when you see that, just think of Tay. Um, so anyway, we're continuing our Best Picture series, and we're huh. doing um, No Country for Old Men, Coen Brothers. <clears throat> and we are drinking Altos de la Hoya, which is a Spanish red uh, in honor of Javier Barnem, who won the Academy Award for this movie for Best Sporting Actor. Um. So I figured it was appropriate to celebrate his homeland. Um, but this I is love his hair in this. Like it's, <laughs> it, I it need is, that wig. It, that that is Lord Fauntleroy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that is when when you are that character, no one cares enough to tell you your hair is bad. Yeah. You know? Well, I mean, all you need is that hair, and then just like drink a big thing of milk, and and <laughs> people will avoid you. <laughs> that's that's two two strikes. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, this is, I believe, 94% Monastrell. It's going to be kind of a bold, fruit-forward wine um, that I believe will have some Tempranillo mixed in. So this would be a great steak wine. I know that we've encountered a few of those in our This one's, um, it's, it's a 14.5. Mm-hmm. It's, it's bold. It's got some, it's got some, some oomph to it. It's got some grip. It's got some power. Mm-hmm. Mm. So this will hold up to a nice big steak, lamb, something like that. Um, but where you can watch it and this movie and celebrate Javier Bardem. And he has commented that between this and Skyfall, he gets recognized for the two worst hairdos in like cinema <laughs> history, you know, cause that his hideous bleach blonde look and Skyfall. Yeah. And then you got Lord Farquaad Farquhar- in this one. Hmm. So not, not promising. Can you say Farquaad again? <laughs> Farquant? I need, I need to take two on that one. Farquaad. Farquantomania. Farquaad. Farquaad. <laughs> uh, Lord Farquaad. I just watched the Marvels. I'm, I'm a little traumatized from watching the Marvels. It was, it was a rough experience. Oh, I still haven't seen it. Yeah. It's, and I haven't you finished, didn't love it? I haven't it's, finished What If? Either. It was fine. It was, uh, okay. Or Secret Invasion. Or Echo. In its Guys, best I moments. Suck. In its best moments, it was fine. Echo, better than Secret Invasion. Mm. Um, 30 seconds of uh, Daredevil. 30 seconds to Daredevil. <laughs> like, I thought you were doing a 30 seconds to Mars thing. <laughs> um, so, yeah, this wine's about 15 bucks. Um, uh, tastes like 26. Yeah, this, this is, is delicious. This is yeah. good for 15. Yeah. So, I mean, with everything getting more and more expensive, uh, Spanish wines, Portuguese wines, they're a good place to look. I was going to say, if there's one takeaway I've, I've had from this podcast, that Spanish wines, like, really punch above their weight. They do. They do. And they roll their R's. They, yeah. There's no R in wine. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, there's not in this one either. Oh. It's a rosé. Roja. <laughs> Rosado. Garnacha. 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 Um, Ricardo Montalban. Exactly. Rich Corinthian leather. Um, Ricardo Montalman's. Yeah. Sorry. That's. <laughs> was he in the Spy Kids movies? He was in the Spy Kids movies. Or was he oh, Shark Boy and Lava Girl? Maybe. Ricardo Montalban was in some of those. He, I think he was grandfather. It, it all blurs together. Uh, yeah. yeah. So that was a rough time for me, so I can't say. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'll post a link to this on our website, cinemavino.net. Look for Altos de la Hoya. Um, Which, so, of course, is Spanish for Altos of the Hoya. Exactly. Um, I, I don't remember what Hoya. Uh, it's like tall from the... means boxer. <laughs> you, you almost got me with that for like a split second. It's like, oh, yeah. Uh, Altos is under... Tall. I believe. Is it? Yeah. Fuck. So it's tall of the... So we'll, we'll look Where, this up. Wherever my Spanish teacher is. We will get back to you. In shame. <laughs> um, no Country for Old Men. It was uh, written, directed, co-produced, and edited by the Coen brothers. Did everything on this one. They edited under a pseudonym. Did they really? Uh-huh. Why? I think it's like... The the rules of the guild are real strict about like co they're real strict about co directors they've gotten l- more relaxed in recent years but they were real strict about people co directing movies co editing movies so they're strict about it but if you lie it's okay yeah all right cool use a, use a pseudonym right yeah. neat it feels more more artsy it's artsy oh in that case you I think you mean a nom de plume yes exactly Ooh. it's like oh yeah pinky's out so uh, this excuse me I think I'm nom de plume just now. <laughs> Uh, this was released in the United States uh, November 9th, 2007. It was $171 million against a $26 million budget. Jeez. Uh, this won Best Picture, Best Supporting Actor for Bardem, Best Director for the Coens. Um, the movies it was up against that year were, does anybody have any guesses for 2007? 2007? Mm-hmm. Sin City. This is back when there were five total movies instead of ten. Uh, Kill Bill? Nope. That was that was oh five, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Oh three oh four. Oh, Shit. was it? Uh, damn it! Um, like we own the night or something. It's a Denzel Washington movie. Mm, it was somewhere in that area, but that wasn't one. No, okay. Crash. That was Crash? that was oh five. Yeah, and Crash won, didn't it? Yeah, it did. Poop. Uh, this was against up against Atonement, Juno, Michael Clayton, and There Will Be Blood. This was against There Will Be Blood. Uh, mm-hmm. That's, that's a strong year. Everything tough. else sucked, but that's tough competition. Yeah, that's stiff. Just a bastard in a basket. I drink your milkshake. <laughs> God, that was a just an incredible performance. Daniel Day Lewis, just what rude. an actor. Yeah, rude. Yeah, did he win Best Actor that year? He did. Fuck yeah, that was his second of three wins. Do they have is is that song in like the soundtrack for There Will Be Blood? Milkshake. Oh, my milkshake brings all the... Yeah. No, I think that's the opening credit. If there's not a YouTube edit out there of that, there should be. Yeah. My milkshake brings up the point. Yeah. Your milkshake. <laughs> I'm sure that syncs up beautifully with that song. Your milkshake brings all the boys to the yard. Um, so this was adapted from the novel by Cormac McCarthy. Uh, this is several different genres at once. It's a neo-western, it's a thriller, and it also has elements of character study and neo-film noir. So, a lot going on. What is a neo-western? Basically, a western that's not set in the old west. But they were all of them deceived, for another milkshake was brought to the yard. 
uh, Trav's on an opening narration kick right now for Lord of the Rings. So, you know, Kate Blanchett. Um, More like Cake Blanchett. <laughs> that's All right. Bronson Pinochet. Delicious. Uh, Perfect Strangers. Um, but yeah, Neo Western, I would say, is any, I would say it's a Western where there are probably cars involved. Or, okay. You know. And it electricity. Take, uh, takes place during the 80s, I realized this yeah, time. 1980, around. I think. Yeah, because yeah. he said something that's like, that's a 1958 coin. It's been traveling to you for 22 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, like Killers of the Flower Moon, I would say borders on being a new Western just because it's, it's kind of at that crossroads of. If old. anything, just because cars were very recently invented. Mm-hmm. Does the hair make more sense that it's 1980? No. I'm not sure that hair makes sense at any point in time. Hmm. That hair is always anachronistic. What if we find out that, like, that Anton uh, Chiguri, he's just, like, a really big, like, 1964 Beatles fan? <laughs> Would that change your opinion of the hair? I still don't think that was a Beatles haircut. That yeah. wasn't that wasn't a bowl cut. That was, mm-hmm. like, a, he had bangs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, it was hideous. That was bad. And, and, Harold and Maude, maybe? Maybe he's a big Harold and Maude fan? Like instantly, my wife was like, I, "I hate that man because of his haircut." Well, guess what? That opinion is not going to change. Yeah, that's <laughs> like, well, then it fits him, fits the character. Because yep. I was like, he is one of the most psychopathic villains. Literally, the uh, there was a, I think it's a psychiatric society. I can't remember what the name of them was, but they did a study of films. They watched hundreds of films, and they said he was the most accurate depiction of a psychopath ever in a movie. Hmm. Like clinically. Wow. Hmm. So is that on Javier Bardem or was that the direction? Both probably. Yeah. I'm sure that was a little bit of A and B. Um, so the story, uh, just a quick run through of that set in the badlands of West Texas, blue collar welder, Vietnam veteran named Josh or Josh Brolin. Uh, his name is Llewellyn Morris or Moss or something. What kind of name is Llewellyn? Yeah. There's a guy that double was, L cause we've been watching the West wing. And there's a producer of that show named Llewellyn Wells. And it's like, if you take the S off his last name, it's like, I think that's a, a palindrome. I think that's the same. Llewellyn Well? Llewellyn Well. <laughs> it's like, man, that's a man to play in a canal. <laughs> Panama. <laughs> so, yeah, think about that out there, won't you? Um, so Llewellyn stumbles upon a cartel-related bloodbath. Bunch of, of dead, you know, drugs, sleaze balls, drug mules, whoever. A bunch of heroin. Mm-hmm. A mm-hmm. drug. I don't know if that was heroin or cocaine. It was heroin. Heroin, okay. Uh, yeah, it said brown. That, that brown smack. Yeah. Ooh. Uh, you know, dead animals, dead everything. It's just, just grisly. They even shot the dog. Yeah. Multiple dogs. Yeah. Multiple dogs dead. Yeah. Mm. And then wounded one poor little guy running oh, through the... He's just crawling away. Oh, poor baby. Yeah. I didn't like seeing Donnie go. Yeah. <laughs> this was more violent than Lebowski. Yeah. So... Um, but anyway, stumbles on the scene and finds a suitcase full of cash on the last man standing, decides he wants to make off with it. More like last man sitting, you know what I mean? Exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> El hombre ultimo. He decides <laughs> for some reason to go back to the scene with a jug of water to give yeah. this guy who's 99% dead. dead. He's dead. He's dead. I mean, he does what most of the protagonists of this movie kind of movie have to do. They have to do something exceedingly stupid. You know, of course, with that tracker and the money, he would have probably gotten... It would have gotten worse for him. Yeah. yeah. No matter what. Yeah. Well, I, I feel like he would have... Well, all right, finish here. Okay. Um, so, finds a stash of drugs and finds the money. He decides to take that home and keep it for himself. Uh, this trips him up or on the crosshairs of Anton Chigura, 
played by Barnum, who is basically as close to you can get as a living Terminator. But with, I mean, to me, I see the mentality of two different Batman villains. He has kind of the psychopathic nature of the Joker, but he's got that coin flip like Two-Face. So he seems almost like an amalgam of two different just lethal villains. Right. Um, so he hunts uh, Llewellyn, and Llewellyn tries to basically, it becomes one long chase scene from then on of him trying to get away from Anton Chigura. And this chase attracts several other people, um, including Ed Tom Bell, played by Tommy Lee Jones, who is a sheriff in Plano, Texas. No, he's a sheriff. His grandpa was a sheriff in Plano, in Plano Texas. Texas. Where was he the sheriff of? I don't remember. Uh, wherever they were. Yeah. Uh, Not Odessa? Mm-hmm. No, Odessa was south. They were on the border. It was a border town. Somewhere way out. Can't remember. West. Yeah. Anyway, small town, sheriff. Um, he gets mixed up in it, and then you got a bounty hunter slash ex-Vietnam Army colonel. Woody Harrelson. Woody Harrelson. And so they all kind of end up mixed up. It's almost like Good, Bad, and the Ugly, where you have that chest full of Confederate gold. That's what it felt like to me. Yeah, and everybody's chasing it. So It felt like the, the chest was like your, your uh, MacGuffin. You mm-hmm. Know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And to me, in that sense, Anton would be like Angel Eyes in that movie of just a psychopath, you know, who kills in a lot of situations where it's like, I don't even have to do it. I just said I would do it, so I'm going to do it. Yeah, he has principles. He he just gets annoyed, and he's like, you know what? I'm going to kill you. Yeah. Yeah. Because you bothered me. (laughs) Yeah. You inconvenienced me today. Mm -hmm. You asked too many questions. So, character alignment, chaotic evil? Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he just bounce around bonkers off the wall doesn't give a shit mm-hmm. yeah so doesn't really have like one specific dogma that he follows he just sort of does what he wants yeah lives by his own weird code mm-hmm. yep um so have you you guys have both seen this before right yes yes okay yep so then sean we'll start with you what were your thoughts i love this movie um it doesn't feel like a coen brothers movie but then i go back and i look at like I have like I have an idea in my head of what a Coen Brothers movie is, and then I go back and I look at like what it actually is. Like this Fargo, uh, Burn After Reading. Um, what was the other one you said? Big Lebowski has some moments, but like in my mind, I think there's like that dry comedy of the the Coen Brothers. Yeah, quirky. Yeah, like the quirky like Ballad of Buster Scruggs or Big Lebowski or you know Oh Brother Where Art Thou, mm-hmm. and they do a really good job of like just you know storytelling scene setting world building um but this movie's oh so like this is like the dark corner it is it's like they just kind of went through a phase um but i think it's it's great it's so well done it's like a really good thriller um the scene building like the tension they just do a good job from top to bottom this movie's just really well put together it's a very tight two hours mm-hmm. um you know they build the characters really well i think uh Brolin's character is not like he doesn't really talk about himself. He doesn't really expand on himself, but you know, you kind of learn about him as it goes, Mm -hmm. which is a really good way of like exposition. They just sort of, they just sort of pepper it in. You learn what you need to as you need to. Yeah. As you need to. And then he's like really thrifty with stuff. Like he's like, I need tent poles. Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, what kind of tent poles do you need? I just need tent poles. Yeah. Well, what kind of tent? We'll get them ordered. Mm Mm-hmm. 
you know, it just like that. You would never think like, okay, I need to order tent poles. And he's just like, just fucking give me a tent. I just need a tent. Oh, and it's like, to me, there's an element of every, all the shopkeeps and innkeepers and everybody in Coen Brothers movies are all a little bit quirky and whimsical. So oh my like, God, they, they capture the, the Southwest Texas charm yeah. so much so. Well, it's like, you know, Anton Sugar comes up to that cash register and the guy's like, so we're going to get any rain today? You know, well, I got any rain coming from your parts? Yeah. What parts would that be? Yeah. Well, I see you got a plate from, uh, from coming from Plano. Mm-hmm. You know, that reminds me a little bit of from Dustle Dawn at the beginning with the Very sheriff so. coming in and, and talking. And, yeah. and I guess a little bit of the sheriff and Kill Bill as well showing up to the, the church. Yeah. I mean, pretty much same actor. But but yeah, that same little just like patter. Yeah. Well, and they, they establish his character so Anton Chigurh so quickly with like the very first thing we see is him getting taken in mm-hmm. and then immediately killing the cop yeah. just like silently ruthlessly he kind of looks off to the side in like a creepy like smiley way as he's choking out the cop mm-hmm. and that's how we meet him almost orgasmic yeah yeah and it's like my, when I told my wife like you know he's uh, when she's complaining about his haircut and I was like well he, he's basically a serial killer and she's like, don't spoil it for me. And There's like, no basically about it. And I was like, well, I think he's a serial killer in the first five minutes of the movie. I think he racks up at least three kills. In the he, first he's a serial ten. killer in the way that the Iceman was a serial killer. Not because like he was doing it, um, you know, just to be a serial killer. He was like a contract hitman who enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. You know, like he's someone who is so ruthless and so good at it. Yeah. That like he, if you do what you love, you never work a day in your life, you know? <laughs> What's like at the end of Breaking Bad when Walter White finally comes clean to his wife where she's like, you know, don't tell me you did this for your family or you did it for the money. And he said, no, I did it because I liked it. Yeah. I felt alive when I was doing it. But like, it's like the moment where he goes into the the office building and he kills Bill Dotrieve and he's like, why did you bring in somebody else? You had the right person. Yeah, you had the perfect tool. Yeah, he was like, it was almost like that, just like he's insulted that you would even go to somebody else. Like, I got it. Yeah. You don't yeah. have to reel me in. I'm doing the job. Yeah. He, he's and like, I'm going to kill you on the way. He, he's like a, an artist and, and somebody's like sticking their dick in his mashed potatoes. He's like, these were perfectly delicious mashed potatoes. Yeah. I didn't need a dick in these. <laughs> it, it, he's just so taken aback that you would try to like, yeah. you know, have somebody else try to reel him in. Well, he's working in like oil paints and you're sitting here like trying to mark in crayon on the yeah. margins. He's like, no, get the fuck out of here. Well, and it's like, it makes me think of Jack Nicholson's Joker, you know, where he's like, you know, I'm an artist. I make art until someone dies. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yet again, another, another Batman villain. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I thought you said you're going to let me watch you improve the paintings. <laughs> um, but yeah, so continue. Sorry. Oh yeah, no. I I think this movie just does such a good job of capturing that like that charm of that part of time and that part of the world. You know, it's kind of like that forgotten part of everything's just brown. Everyone just has these like zingers, mm-hmm. but are just like these like silently like sad zingers. Yeah. Like at the end when Tommy Lee Jones is going to like meet his old friend, and he's just like. How are you doing? His friend just responds, well, you're looking at it. Yeah. It's like, Jesus. Okay. That great, huh? That good, man. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And that's just throughout the entire movie. It's just the, the hotel keeps the inn keeps. Um, everyone is just so well cast and so well directed. The Coen brothers spend so much time working in the margins of their movies. Yes. Like, like Lebowski, you know, you got your main guys, but then you got, you know, your landlord that has this dance cycle coming up. 
you know, where he's going to get his little leotard and dance around. Yeah, it's like you could follow every other little NPC in the game. They would have like, well, maybe not the best like movie. Yeah, but there's got to there's they have, surely they have like a character book mm-hmm. that they gave every extra. Yeah, that was just like, all right, if you're going to get a speaking line, you're going to have to know your part. Yeah, like, we raised a family in Temple. We came here about four years ago. <laughs> yeah, and it's just it's great dialogue like that that just you know, like you said, it tells a lot without really. It's it's rich. It's just really rich dialogue. Mm-hmm. And they do such a good job of telling a story that doesn't just go A to Z. It just, you know, it does meander a bit. Yeah. And it tells a really straightforward story, but in such an enriched way mm-hmm. that by the time you get there, you're like, holy shit, I went through a, a ride. A hedge maze. Yeah. Well, it's like, you know, Tarantino kind of does that too, where he's not afraid to go wander off for a little bit and then come back on the main road in his movies. You know, I think the Coens do that too, where they're. They're not afraid to step off. It's like the Fargo, you know, in the movie where it's like Francis McDormand has lunch with that guy, creepy stalker from her high school who has a crush on her and like fakes that his wife's dying of cancer. It's like that's a whole tangent from the main plot. Yeah, it has nothing to do mm-hmm. with anything. But it did. They carve out a little bit of time for that weird, like little offshoot plot. Yeah, it's like they don't try to reel in like pieces that are straying away from the story that just sort of let it happen organically. Yeah. Oh, brothers definitely would also like that. Oh, I, that, this is like, Oh brother, where art thou turned up to, you know, 11. No, like six. (laughs) (laughs) But no, I think, I think this movie is really well understated. Like they kind of take things down a notch, turn up the violence, Mm -hmm. you know, turn up a lot of like the, the gruesome aspects that they don't really explore in some of the other movies. Um, but it's just, it's really well world built. I think this is a 10. Ooh, nice. 10 movie? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It, it feels, I I feel weird giving it an eight. I feel weird giving it a nine. Yeah. I feel like it's just, it's really well done. If it's, if you enjoy thrillers, like this is good as it gets. As good as it gets. Travi? Uh, yeah. Um, my favorite part of this is like the very beginning where it's all uh quiet where Llewellyn is out um hunting and and just those big wide shots where there's no talking at all and he's watching and and you see he's like fuck is this a blood trail that's isn't my my deer antelope whatever the fuck he was shooting at mm-hmm. um and you just see him like through no dialogue go like huh okay, I'm going to walk this direction. And you're like, what's he doing? And then you see, like, um, it reminded me a little bit of the Blade Runner uh, or the controversy with Harrison Ford uh, not wanting to do a voiceover and and there being different cuts of voiceover and no voiceover. The director's cut um, versus director's the theatrical. Yeah. Um, so much so that uh, I actually, I didn't like it when uh, Josh Brolin was like, well, you're all the way out here you're gonna need some shade better go look for the shade like he's just talking out loud i mean it it was one thing i would have omitted from it i uh that that scene just i i liked all the silence it really reminded me you said breaking bad this reminds me of breaking bad because i would remember watching um uh, episodes of Breaking Bad and there wouldn't be any talking for the first five minutes. It would all be like just, um, you know, walking or talking or not talking, but setting up a story or, or um, somebody would be going in a house and like looking around and God, it would, I was watching on like Blu-ray. So as 
Todd knows I love to do. I will watch it in fast motion. I'm like, oh my God, get this going. Like suspense movies, I don't have time for. I'm like, all right, give me the jump scare or the whatever and then get over with it. Let's let's do this. Yeah. But Breaking Bad was great about like atmosphere, right? And that's exactly what this was doing. It just lets you sit and think and then you have to infer what the person is thinking on the screen so i loved the fact it also reminded me a little bit of like uh like aragorn like a ranger like two hobbits lay here Mm -hmm. and all the way that different people went and checked you had anton um doing the same thing you had llewellyn you had tommy lee jones with his deputy behind him all of them are like really good at what they do um, because you have a, a veteran, you have a cop, and then you have just a psycho killer that hunts men. Yeah. My, um, one of my favorite Tommy Lee lines is when he's at the diner, he's like, those DEA agents are going out there again, asking if you want to join them. Any new bodies turn up? No, sir. Well, then I don't have much to see, do I? <laughs> yeah. She's like, okay. Yeah. Fuck, you're all right. Cool. And even his opening narration, Tommy Lee Jones' narration, which normally doesn't work in a movie like this, but it's like it's like Morgan Freeman where it's a character unto itself. Where, you know, he's talking about somebody he's sent to the electric chair, and he's like, you know, said he's going to hell. Said he'd be there in about 15 minutes. <laughs> you know, it's like, again, it's just great dialogue. You can get away with narration when you got dialogue like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I do trust that the Coen brothers tried out that opening scene or tried out that one scene like with him not talking and also with him like saying like well he's got to find some shade somewhere mm-hmm. and i do think that they probably were like you know what we kind of need to explain why he finds like what his logic is to find this guy i yeah I, I was thinking about that too about how i'm like well all right yeah it makes sense him saying it and like and some people just talk to themselves out loud but there was so much long drawn out silence that it like it, it broke kinda, up unnecessarily. I, I just wanted to sit in the silence. I wanted him to maybe like start looking at a bunch of different trees and be like, where do I hear? And then, you know, finally find it and be like, oh. speaking of silence, does this movie have any music in it? Top to bottom. I don't think there's any music. I don't Very think little. So. I think it's incidental, like incidental music, like uh, the mariachi band, like in the scene. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Source, yeah. source music reminds me of the movie, the last picture show, which was in the seventies. And, is all I believe it's also set in West Texas, and all of the music in that movie is incidental. Where it's like you, it's on a jukebox or a car stereo. There's no, no musical score. Mm-hmm. So, well, and then the other thing with this is that you're thinking Llewellyn is your main guy and your protagonist. Homeboy, spoiler alert, dies off screen. Mm-hmm. We don't see what happens. Yeah, but I like the little um, touches where. Tommy Lee Jones is going back to the the hotel room later on after he's talked to the guy. He's like, man, the guy goes right back to a crime scene. He doesn't care. He doesn't, you know, he just shows back up, doesn't, you know, does whatever. And he's like, ooh, yeah, shows back up to a crime scene. Interesting. And he goes there and he's like, you know, <laughs> yeah, we're close to death because oh, our boy is behind the door. Yeah. He goes in anyway. But then, you know, when he comes out of the bathroom and he sits on the bed, he turns around and then he sees that the vent is off and you see a coin on the ground. And you're like, because uh, my dad and I watched this and we were talking. And I was like, no, 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 I think Anton got the money because yeah. he saw previously uh, the the str- scratch marks in the vent where yeah. uh, Llewellyn had moved it previously, so he knew to look there. Yeah, and so he opened it up, found it, and so Anton has the two million minus you know 
a couple thousand bucks out there somewhere with a fucked up arm. Yeah. But yeah, your, your main protagonist that we think is your protagonist dies off screen. You don't even get to see it. You get to see the aftermath and be like, Oh, so sorry. Um, so what would you give this man? I, I don't like that. Anton doesn't get his uppance came in. It's a broken arm. Yeah. <laughs> it's um, a compound fracture too. So I, I would, I mean, it's, it's probably a 10, but it doesn't have a lot of rewatchability for me. I want to, I'd probably give it an eight. It's not one that I would watch all the time just cause it's got a, a weird ho hum ending. Yeah. Like your, your, uh, main character dies off screen and then the sheriff that you're like, all right, this guy is pretty cagey. I think he's going to do some shit goes, you know what? I feel like I'm overmatched. I'm just going to retire mm-hmm. and then tell my wife about my dreams that I had of my dad. Well, it's, it's that, like title. gave me some it's money. The title of the movie. Yeah. It's no country like, for old men. Like, like I can't, I can't swing this anymore. But then his, uh, what the, the guy from Northern exposure that he went to go talk to the, um, mustache older yeah. uncle or whatever. Oh, the he, guy he was saying, um, you know, he said he felt overmatched and the guy was like, no, that's uh, this guy back in old Uncle Petey or whatever in 1909. They sat there and shot him 19... in his porch and uh, did, he's like, nine? yeah, he's like, it's all it, 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 it happens all the time. It's just, you know, you never really look back, I guess, until they're that age. Yeah. They, like all oh, these kids with their green hair and their bones and their noses. Yeah. <laughs> never thought we'd see that here in Texas. It's like every old man in every generation. Yeah. Well, you know, that's what I say is once you stop hearing no sir, no ma'am, yes sir, mm-hmm. yes ma'am, that just comes right along with it. Mm-hmm. Kids with their video games. He plays crotchety old man perfectly. Yes, he does. So well. Yeah. Just, and like the, there's a couple of memes that came out of this movie is like him reading the newspaper in the diner, just looking over his glasses. Mm-hmm. It's just iconic. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. And, casting. And perfect. And Anton sitting on the couch drinking milk. <laughs> I do like that it's, shot though, where they show the, the silhouette on the TV mm-hmm. from that. I I do enjoy that Sitting shot. There watching nothing, mm-hmm. just himself. Uh, Josh Brolin was great in this. Brolin was awesome. Um, yeah, Javier Bardem great in this. So yeah. was Tommy Lee. Mm-hmm. Oh, I will say. Uh, oh, Woody Harrelson. I was like, I forgot oh, he was in Woody this. Harrelson. This is going to be fucking awesome. And Dies I was like, like oh, immediately. do? <laughs> underused. Uh, Kelly McDonald. No, she was you know good what? As the wife. I think he was used exactly <laughs> right about But uh, this dude, um, Garrett Dillahunt, I think is unsung actor in uh, everywhere he goes. Yeah. My dad and I just rewatched, uh, or I rewatched my dad for the first time, watched Deadwood. He's been in that. He's been in several other things, and he's great. He's a man w- made to wear a cowboy hat. Mm, yeah. Yes. Uh, but, yeah, he's, uh, he's, he's just a lovely, lovely man. Yeah. So, eight for me. Eight for you. That's ten, fair. Ten for you. Ten for me. Yeah. I'll split the difference, say nine. Okay. okay. This is uh, this is a great movie. This is probably the Coen Brothers' finest hour, I think. As a is, is there a Coen Brothers movie you would rate above it? Um, I would say there's some that I'd rate right at it. Fargo would be up there as a strong nine. Okay. Um, I'd put Oh Brother Where Art Thou up there. I think Oh yeah. Brother is my favorite. I think that that's a ten for me. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know if I rated it a ten when we did it, but yeah. I, mean, I think Oh Brother's a ten for me. I, I'd give Lebowski pretty high too. I mean, I'm, I'm yeah. Um, I'm, well, that's 
that's because we are who we are. Yeah. And, it, and it's a cult movie and it's, it, it's just, you know, in yeah. our friend group as well, it's become the you, tale has grown in the telling. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense for our character. Yes. Um, I like the early stuff too, like Blood Simple and Raising Arizona. They've got some good early oh, stuff too. Oh, I forgot about Raising Arizona. Mill- Miller's Crossing. There's some good early stuff. God, I love that as a kid. Like Raising Arizona as a kid, I was like, why? Why do I love this? But I think it just speaks to their range. I mean, mm-hmm. the Coen brothers have done range. all. They've done a lot of stuff. I mean, they have a pretty like consistent tone. Yeah. And as soon as you say Raising Arizona, I immediately hear that soundtrack. Yeah. 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 I love it. And they do music to great effect, too, like Lebowski. I mean, they use music very well outside of stuff like this. They, they, and sometimes the music. Yeah, they didn't use music for shit in this movie. Yeah. Except for the mariachi band. Mm-hmm. Uh, who they sing specifically about death and justice and redemption. They, they sing basically specifically to him <laughs> that you're going to get what's coming to you. So just staring down at him while he bleeds. Um, but yeah, I'd give this a strong nine. It's well acted. It's beautifully shot. Cinematography is beautiful. I love the lack of any real music score. How lean and spare it makes it even more suspenseful. It makes it me. Even my, my wife was like, "I'm very anxious during that like hotel shootout." Hundred so, percent. Yeah. Yeah. Adds the tension. Adds to the the effect of it. So it works really well. Um, but yeah, I I watched it a few times. It's probably the third or fourth time I've seen it. So and it does gain something a, l- a little bit more every time. Yeah, I'll, I'll say that. Uh, yeah, after watching it and being like, "Don't do it! Don't don't bring that gallon of water." Okay, that was it. You yeah. know, trying to show a little humanity fucks you. Well, yeah, he, he would have been fine. I'm gonna go do something stupid. Yeah. Oh, and th- that's the other thing. If he hadn't brought that gallon of of water out there, I feel like he would have woken up the next morning and be like, "All right, let's see what we got here." And he would have laid out all the money and looked at it all, counted, it, and would have found the transponder and be like, "Well, that's not good." Mm-hmm. Well, he and did, he did some head math. I mean, he knew it was two million dollars. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I mean, I feel like he would have gone through it and looked at it. Like I kept thinking, and. I had watched this before, but years and years ago, I kept thinking like, all right, he's going to switch out the case. He's going to put it in like a, a different bag or suitcase something. or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no. put that tracker on a bus to Ohio. He had never seen no country for old men on DVD. I yeah, guess. Exactly. <laughs> on Blu-ray. Classic mm-hmm. mistake. Um, his mother-in-law sucked. Yeah. She was awful. Yeah. Another good Cohen brothers creation. Yeah. You know, another good actress though. Mm-hmm. She shows up in a lot of stuff. Mm hmm. She did Sparkle Motion in Donnie Darko. <laughs> That's right. Um, but yeah, this has been another episode of Cinevino. No Country for Old Men. We're back Wait, in the habit. What would have What would have taken it from a nine to a ten for you? I hate to say it, I agree with Trav. Like about how you don't get that. There, there always feels like there's a little bit of satisfaction missing from it of not seeing Anton yeah. get any kind of. He just walks away. It ends in a whimper and not a bang. I know that that's the point of the movie, but it always kind of leaves it. Like he said, it kind of takes some of the air out of it. Yeah, it has such strong momentum and such strong like chase scenes and violence, and it kind of peters out at the end of it. But then you say, oh, okay, I guess that's. It, no country for old men. They're just psychopaths. Can't just be in them no country for old mm-hmm. men. Yep. And little things, um, good old Anton uh, leaving the, the house after he, as we assume, kills the wife of Llewellyn. Mm-hmm. But like he, he walks down there and he looks at the bottom Jack's of his sure shoes. doesn't have blood on his boots. Yeah, and then scrapes them off and then walks on. I was like, that. yeah. Just like a, a little moments where you're like, yeah, she. She's got to be dead. And moves his feet away from Woody Harrelson's blood in the hotel so that he doesn't get blood on his boots again. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's like he has a phobia of blood. Mm. Oh, oh. He, he doesn't want to track it. Mm-hmm. Last thing, uh, I did love, uh, I 
you know, much like good old like Indiana Jones, where you see the characters actually get hurt. Uh, Anton had his own like predator, like oh, I gotta go fix myself up and mm-hmm. you know, put myself full of meds and it's cold myself and calculated. Up. Yeah, absolutely. He's like, I know what to do. I, obviously, I have to blow up this car. Just like little things like that. Where obviously. he's like, this is he, he's got a list of things in his head to do, but. You just love to see uh, characters that are not invincible and that can die and get injured, and then how they. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, if, that, if you that ever need medical, give me predator vibe. First thing you do is you blow up a car. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Everyone knows it. Yes. Yeah. All right. Wraps up, Todd. Sorry. Okay. Uh, great movies. Only drunker. Thank you guys so much, and we will continue on. Uh, our next movie chronologically will be Bridge on the River Kwai. Neat. <laughs> But we will see you guys. I missed that. Next time.